Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Loudwire Podcast. My name's Graham. My name's Joe. Joe Fear. And I didn't do anything this time, so Joe, take it away. Yes, Graham uh, took the day off. It was a holiday, Memorial Day, and yeah. you wouldn't think that if working this kind of job that you need a day off, because it would seem like going to work every day is... Like not having to work at all. Well, you know, I just needed to unwind and spend a little time with the family at the beach. Everybody needs time off. No matter what you're doing for work, you need time off. Even if you're playing some sick death metal, you need some time off. I also didn't feel like watching Morbid Angel play non-David Vincent material. Appahoo. Dude, the Steve Tucker stuff rules. Have you not heard Gateways? I guess not. If uh, At least it hasn't stuck with me. Dude, so I just was like, eh, not interested. The difference though is that Gateways has all these like weird, sl- oozy, slimy, serpentine type riffs, whereas like the old stuff just had less straight ahead, like raise your structure kind of riffs. You yeah, know, like I've, I've been Torment. soft I'm- on Morbid Angel for a while. Mm, Morbid Angel went soft on people for a while too, so it's okay. Yeah, that uh, they didn't play anything from that elude divinitum. Thing, no, they, they didn't. Oh, thank nope. You. Okay, good. It was pretty radical that they didn't. Okay, that's but anyway, yeah. we're not here to talk about Morbid Angel. Yeah, go ahead. Our primary focus here is, of course, Suffocation, the heaviest live band on the planet. Agreed. And there was also a Rocker versus Writer topic, briefly discussing some of the heaviest bands in existence, not named Suffocation. But I got <laughs> to sit down with Derek Boyer on bass, and of course Terrence Hobb, the originator, on guitar, and two of my favorite guys in death metal. Derek's got by far the sickest tone in the business. You should tell people about that uh, time that you yelled at one of Suffocation's opening acts. It wasn't one of Suffocation's opening acts. This was at... Was it, it was one Chan- of Suffocation's Was it the Chance in Poughkeepsie? No, yeah. it was a local act. They had, a right. bunch of, they had a bunch of local bands opening for the tour. Who else was on that bill? The Faceless was on that bill. Through the Eyes of the Dead was on that bill. And other bands that I couple more were obscure really, on that one. Uh, no, Flesh God were on that one. Yeah, the sound that was, was it. That terrible. was when the Flesh God's drummer hit the hi hat with his finger and it cut. Oh open yeah, he bled a lot, but he he stuck it out to the rest of the show, even yeah. though the sound was garbage. Yeah, but hey, so and then you screamed at the sound guy because you're wasted. I may have imbibed in the car before entering the show. I may yeah. have imbibed a lot. <laughs> um. And so I was plenty drunk by the time I walked in. Apparently nobody at the door taking tickets was aware of my increasingly altering state. <laughs> and there was just this awful, awful local band that was on. And I just decided to heckle them. And I was just, scr- I was, it wasn't even clever. It was just, you suck. Get off the stage. You're just you flipping suck. them off. Their parents were there. At their parents were there. Oh, they got to watch their kids. I didn't kids. know that. <laughs> unsuccessfully deal with a heckler well then the guy was he said to you he's like oh yeah we're we're all metal bands here i was like yeah and you suck get off the stage yeah they were playing some like really wimpy kind of core thing that just in my personal opinion did not belong on a bill with suffocation and Derek boyer was at suffocation's merch table and he saw you doing that, flipping off a band, screaming, just like a total asshole. And he laughed and like covered his face and turned away from you in half disgust, half hilarity. Yeah, I forgot to mention that to him. Uh, <laughs> big surprise that I nearly forgot that moment. 
So we get to talk about the new album of The Dark Light. And they've got three new members in the band, all, I think, under the age of 25. So it's pretty interesting to see all this fresh blood in Death Metal's elder state, I guess you could say. Even Morbid Angel have a couple young guys in there. So for a band like Suffocation, what's it like being so technical and surgical live and so precise with everything and all the start and stops and working in so many new guys? You're going to find out. You're also going to find out what happened to some of their other members like Kevin Talley, who was on drums for a while. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit more about the departure of Guy on guitar, because I know, Graham, you talked to him. That was, yeah, uh, that was about a year ago now, right? Yeah, I think it was about a year ago. I, year I just ago. reached out to him. No one had interviewed him. No one knew why he was gone. So I was like, hey, you want to tell me why you left? And he goes, all right. <laughs> so turned out not to be anything super dramatic or anything like that. He just kind of wasn't into it anymore and wanted to spend some time in Carolina with his new wife. So everyone, Joe's in charge of this one. So get ready to listen to Joe. Sit down. And shout! <laughs> Right, hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Loudwire Podcast, and we're sitting in Suffocation's tour bus, and I'm here with bassist Derek Boyer. What's up? And guitarist and founder Terrence Hobbs. What's happening, everyone? So, thank you guys so much for sitting down and giving us some of your time at a hometown show tonight. Any, anytime for Loudwire, you guys know. Support, <laughs> been supporting everybody forever. So, usually we have Graham with us. He's off today because even working stuff like this, you need a day off. Memorial Day, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And you guys have a brutal touring schedule yeah i mean we really don't give a crap we're out there to play in front of all you guys as much as we possibly can you know uh suffer works hard at keeping itself busy so yeah it's like uh what you got 30 shows together with morbid angel revocation and withered and then there's about 16 where morbid peels back and uh you're doing goes on without them yeah we do the headliners yeah, so it's like something like six days off in 40 days, so yeah, a lot of work pr- for you guys. pretty much. I mean, we got to earn ourselves a can of soup to be able to afford this <laughs> tour bus. You know, the debt metal. Debt metal just makes sure that you don't make much money, so, uh, you All know. Right, so you're out here promoting of the Dark Light, and now, Terrence, one thing you said about this album and going into it, the writing process, you said, now bands are very cutting edge, so we felt like we had to step up our game a little bit. Um, what did you mean by that? I know there's a lot of insane guitar players out there, way more common than it used to be. Yeah, um, I think as time went on, I mean, musicians just have gotten better. And, um, you know, there's a lot of new bands that are out there right now cutting tempos and cutting uh, speed and, you know, using seven and eight string guitars, doing very virtuoso things where, you know, death metal back in the day was just more cutthroat, just straightforward, very organic. And, you know, we wanted to approach our album in that way. But also we wanted to step up our game a little bit with the speed and things of that nature. So once we got Mr. Eric Marotti over here playing drums, I think that um, it stepped up the stepped up the pace for Suffocation quite a bit. And uh, I think um, it brought from our old school standpoint to the new school standpoint, it brought us into the newer realm of, you know, today's new age metal bands, you know what I mean? So we're kind of just trying to cut the generation gap a little bit and make sure that we can uh, withstand the test of time from the old death metal roots up until the newer styles of music that we're hearing today with, um, you know, newer metal and newer death metal and newer black metal and stuff. You know? Yeah, so, like, you've got that uh, the breakdown in the opening track, Clarity Through Deprivation. It's like a two-minute breakdown that closes it out, and 
to me it sounds more like a little bit of the the more modern conventional breakdowns as opposed yeah. to what you guys were doing in the early days yeah. so was did you say that was a little bit of a calculated effort what bands do you take an influence as far as the new school goes um well yeah you know that that was like this this big section that had you know different trade-offs in the overriding and uh, a trade-off in the the solo section yeah, so the part came bombs yeah part came in slamming then there's a variation and then another variation and then the solo trade-off so it was just something that stuck you know and i don't think we really took from any other band for inspiration for it but just man we slam into one of those big suffo slams and let's ride it out with a couple variations and then the solo trade-off yeah and another thing too with like you said stepping up the game a little bit like i'm sure everybody who's listening to this podcast knows there's a ton of local guys in any of their scene who could just shred everything in the book yeah, yeah absolutely like i had um one of my friends tabbed out necrophagus when he was in high school oh yeah and I mean, yep. they, they do it all the time and i mean as as i said nowadays you know music students have a lot have a lot more to learn from you know as we were growing up all these techniques are now being passed down to, to newer kids who are very adept and great players and uh you can't take Just anything away from you can't take anything away from them in that aspect so for us, being an older school band, to have newer elements and to also try to bring in some newer styles, just like that slam that you were talking about previously, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't, we didn't, it wasn't a calculated thing, it was just something that we thought would stick, you know what I mean? And uh, we like the heaviness of it all too, you know, we listen to different styles of music, so we incorporate what we really feel into our music for us, not necessarily for anything else. Now, are there any new techniques or anything like that that you've picked on? Because, like, I've heard people graduates with classical performance and uh, graduate from Berkeley first thing these two kids started talking about was how they hold the pick I'm like seriously like aren't we way beyond that point now and the best guitarists always keep learning or best bassists the best musicians always keep learning so what are some new techniques or anything that you guys have picked up on and brought into suffocation recently there's a couple little tricks you know like uh you know Terrence would do like a clean interlude or something to to start a track like on some previous records where on this record there's actually some clean overlaying yeah. in uh, Return to the Abyss and stuff, you know, stuff like that, you know, that we don't normally do. Stuff like lose, using the lower string on the bass, you know, that's kind of a newer thing. We did that mm-hmm. also in Return to the Abyss. I mean, techniques wise, you know, we're doing different scrapes and I'm doing like a 16th note thing between my thumb and my pinky that uh, I use live. And, you know, so you're always trying to pick up new techniques and perfect the techniques that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even, even from the techniques, I mean, we're still not... We're the kind of band that just like wants to base ourselves on the integrity of everything that we've been doing. So we don't want to like reinvent the wheel so much, but we do want to keep it a little bit more unique and original um, for ourselves. So, you know, as I said, like just with that slam or with that clean interlude and things like that, those are things that we just thought sounded cool. You know, <laughs> we it wasn't something like, oh man, I'm gonna if you know if you really want to talk about techniques and stuff like that, you should talk to Mr. Dave Davidson from Revocation. Oh, he's a freak. One of one of the best guitar players I've so seen versatile. ever. This guy's just a freak of nature, and uh, you know, I tell him every day, dude, stop playing like that because yeah, I don't like having to, I don't I don't like having to play after you, dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, it's always a learning curve for all of us. I mean, you know, we, we go out on tour, we see lots of musicians, we get to see the local musicians tear it up, and you always take to heart what they're playing and you watch and see what they're doing, and then it gives you some inspiration, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, we just try to stay ourselves and we try to learn from other musicians and, you know, work it into our fold, even from things like flamenco to, you know, to just straight, heavy, hard rap style, like, mm. you know, in the vocal aspects of things, you know, we... we look at all different styles of music and try to really 
coalesce in some serious death metal sure. fucking extravaganza, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now, you brought a lot of young blood into the band. There's been over eight different people in this band oh, in yeah, the last man. five years, some live, some yep. official members. Yep. So... To going back to you know this this wealth of talent everywhere you tapped in from the local scene but what it's like now going on the road with these guys because suffocation is such a surgical technical band where there's all these little nuances of these tiny mutes and everything these, so these what's it like working really these good. guys in they're, they're freaking animals man they're really good you know it's one of those things where you know it's always hard to lose you know a member uh, but again you know like my favorite thing to say is if if the guys that you get are as good or better than the other guys you know the fans should be able to see that this band is still standing standing strong you know where it's like if you get a bunch of flimsy guys and you're just holding on for the sake of it then wrap it up but in our case we got some really nasty players that are great to be around they're very talented and it seems to be a really good fit our chemistry is working really well on the tour you know it's like people are coming up to us before the show going oh man you know so and so's not in the band and oh i'm so sad and then that same person will come up to you and go holy shit like insane. whoa that was yeah. killer that yeah. was fun and so for us that's so real see important seeing is believing you know what i mean and yeah. it's unfortunate that we've had so many lineup changes like uh none of us ever asked for it but when you know when push comes to shove people as we get older i mean i'm 47 years old you got to roll with it. yeah you got to mm -hmm. roll with it they have kids they have jobs they have lives they're looking for retirement they're moving out of state they're doing this they're doing that so you know the real reality is what we do as far as being musicians it's also considered a hobby and where that falls into play people have real jobs and have to make real life decisions so even with all of that you know, it's very hard for us to find members that would be able to just want to do this, you know, full time as, sure. we're, as we're older. Yeah, a lot of them have the want, but have other hang ups. And, you know, to mm -hmm. get a bunch of guys that, that are virtually hang up free, you know, and. Uh, yeah, like 24, 25 exactly. years old. Younger don't have cats don't, don't have What's going on with those young guys, those little strapping young lads over there? They're sick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, because um, we actually interviewed Guy after he left the band and okay. just um, to find out why he left, everything like that. Mm -hmm. And he said um, one thing was that he just wasn't willing to put in the work that it takes anymore. It's a lot so, of work. It's a pretty demanding thing that we do. I mean, every night, you know, you know you're pushing yourself to your limits, you know what I mean? As far as playing, as far as stress on your limbs and on your tendons. I mean, you ask our drummer, this guy's like running behind a drum kit like nobody's business. <laughs> Yeah, and, I saw him uh, sound check. You know, even even with him, it's the same thing for all of us guys. So we we all have to really like uh, keep ourselves in shape and keep ourselves playing and keep ourselves practicing all the time in order to maintain playing what we do. There's a mm. there's a lot to what you were just saying with Guy because it's not just uh, uh, you know I'm not physically willing to put in the work. You know, this is an emotionally draining thing physically. Yeah, he's talking about touring sometimes in buses, other times out of vans, yeah. Frank all, going missing. You know, in and out of hotels, in and out of airplanes, oh, yeah. waiting around, you know, waiting for shuttle services. It's a lot physically on you. Uh, it can be emotionally draining on you. It can be mentally, you know, like to, to keep up with, the, let's say, writing the material, having your wits about you while on the road and not eating properly or somebody's drinking too much or, you know, whatever it is, you still have to make sure when it's showtime that you can pull it all together. Yeah, as I said, it's debt metal and like, you know, debt, D-E-B-T, debt metal, you know what I'm saying? So when you end up going out on the road and for, you know, even for Guy, even for me, you know, we do one territory on the other side of the world. We go to China and Australia and all that. I mean, it's like 25, 26 airplane flights in a row and like insane. people, wow. people just don't really like to do shit like that. And presently, neither do I. 
But in order to get over there and play, and I mean, I'm a diehard just like the rest of my guys yeah, are. Yeah, so the stage is to pay yeah, off I for mean, you. If we go down in a fucking flying ball of flames, yeah. you know, out of the sky, come to play, that's what that's what the hell had to happen. But it's, it's hard for people to be able to do that. Same thing happens with Frank, you know. He's just not ready to go on 20 airplane flights for, you know, he's over, done over three weeks. Times, you know, he's, he's done it a million it, times, you know. and, people, you know, people get tired of it. And the real re- realization is it's like all that traveling is probably the worst part about being in a band. For that sure. kind of traveling sure. is just fucking You got to pull it out man. and have energy out of thin air when, you know, the only when you time haven't you get slept to in sleep. two days and yeah. you've been sitting in an mm-hmm. airport just like, you know, beat to death. And then when you get in there, the baby's crying right next to you and you haven't slept in <laughs> 20 hours. And it's just like you're red eye. Noise canceling whole, oh headphones. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, that would help, but it just doesn't, man. There's just no way. <laughs> you know, once you get those, they just hit you with the freaking cart going down the hallway anyway. So you got to get the window seat. Yeah, well, that's you my wish. thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you wish. wish. Is there a lot of fighting on the band over who gets the window no, seat? No, and doesn't? no, no. We all pretty much, you know, we'll take turns on who gets shotgun, so to speak, or whatever. But, you know, for the most part. We get dealt what seats we get, and we all just kind of clam up and deal with what we get. You know, sometimes somebody's like, "Man, I want to trade you," and you know, if you want to trade them, trade them. Yeah. And um, Terrence, I was reading an interview that you gave and talking about a lot of the drummer turnover here. And Kevin Talley was in the band for a couple years. Yeah, he was in for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit longer than a minute compared to some of the guys who've been in this band recently. Sure. Yeah. Um, but he was in the band for a couple years. I thought this was some of his best live drumming. But um, you referred to him as a studio drummer, which of course he's he's he done a million yeah. different projects and he Great does a lot of paid player. session work. And, and like you were saying, really came along as a live player too. Everybody knows Talley's been doing it for a long time. And yeah, again, yeah, to the early the dying fetus stuff. Yeah, the maturity really comes along. Like he said, when he was doing fetus back in the day, he was a kid. He was just flipping out, not knowing what he was doing. And as you do it over the years, plenty of stages, studio stuff, you, you know, your technique matures, your mindset matures. You're looking at stuff totally different than you were when you were a kid. You're flipping out as a kid and yeah. you're like, don't know how you're doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start coming online realizing, okay, well, if I do this, I get these results. If I don't do that, I don't get this, you know? So there's a lot of maturity that comes, that automatically comes the longer you do it. Yeah. So and what was Kevin, the reason for getting Kevin out, or what were you looking for more of a full-time I, I drummer kind of 360? Kevin. Yeah. Kevin basically was, you know, wanting to push the band in a certain direction, which was fine. But, um, you know, right when he was getting married and mm-hmm. uh, everything else, you know, he kind of thought that one of these moves that we wanted to do wasn't the best move. And we all kind of stood up and said, Kevin, we all really want to do this. And he goes, you should grab somebody that thinks it's a good idea. And, and we found Eric and we were just looking to there borrow somebody because we didn't, we weren't like, well, fuck Kevin. We love Kevin. Yeah. But he didn't think this was a good move. Maybe he had another prior engagement with yeah, his and, you new know, wife. Kevin, and mm-hmm. also Kevin's studio drumming was who knows building up as well. You know, it's like when he's sitting there out on the road with us for a month, Yep. And then he goes home. He's got five different drum jobs. He's got to dedicate up. himself. Sure. And, yeah. you know, that's where I'm saying Kevin Talley's studio drummer. It's literally Kevin Talley's studio drummer. Like, you dot can. Com. Yeah. yeah. Dot yeah. com. You right. can go and hire him to do songs. And, uh, you know, he ha- he's had that business for quite a while. So, with that being said, and also with, you know, the fact that he just didn't think it was a really wise idea, um, you know, it just came to that conclusion. We're still all great friends. We still talk to each other often. Absolutely. We'll be seeing him yeah. on this tour to yeah, hang we'll out. see him in a couple of weeks. You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, Kevin's got his own business. He's got his own thing. And that's really what kind of caused him not to really be in this band anymore, you know? Sure. But you never yeah. know. You know, maybe one day Eric will break a leg and we'll need somebody <laughs> else. Like, we hope know? not. Well, well, we hope not, but it's happened to you already. He's always so. riding skateboards <laughs> and shit when he shouldn't be. Uh-oh. But, <laughs> you know, 
Just remember, get in touch with Kevin Talley if you need some studio drums going Kevin's on for, awesome, your, man. for your project, man. He's there for it. Yeah, so like you said, everybody's still on good terms with Kevin, and it seems sure. like there's this giant family, like, you know, Frank comes and goes, he could play a little bit of the local show, tonight, yeah. but it's not anything where anybody seems to be jealous or envious of the other person. Got, that was kind of something that went on for a minute, and then that kind of went away, and it's yeah. no one currently... You know, is is has that upset I mean, or it, obsessed it, about it? You know, out here in Long Island and in, in New York, it's kind of a tight knit family. Like a lot of us bands jam in the same rooms in the same areas together, have played in bands with each other. So, um, you know, having that kind of close knit family, it, it's good because the communication is better. And as we got older, you learn that it's not not a matter of like trying to kick somebody out just because you know they don't fit your exact mold of something. You know, um, it's more or less just trying to get somebody who can do it and really who wants to do it so with that being said mm -hmm. as well you know frank he can only come and do what he wants to do and uh you know he's always been a part of the band and now we have kevin muller doing the singing and both those guys communicate you know regularly with each other and uh yeah we also made it. sure both those dudes were on the record you yeah. know no animosity you know frank passing the torch to kevin in real time we wanted to put kevin on the record so people aren't like well who the hell is this you know they buy the new album they go whoa can't this, tell the difference that's a that's good the that's idea. a good thing that's you know a idea. lot of people like, listen to it and don't realize we're not Kevin trying sings. to reinvent the sound of suffocation we're just trying to keep suffocation as a unit going out there and doing the things that we have been doing that keeps us unique you know as a band now what's the reaction been live to the shows without frank do you feel like there's any sort of pressure that you have to kind of win the crowd over a little bit well i think that um you know in general everybody would love to see frank mullen as much as they possibly could but, um, and, you know, you always get the fans that come up to you and they're like, hey, man, is Frank going to be here? Why can't he go out? And it's like, you know, maybe, maybe they missed a Loudwire interview. You know? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, they, they turn around, they ask us those questions. And it's like, really, it comes down to just like regular life. Frank has his job yeah. and can only do what he can really do. And it's not a part of doing the traveling so much anymore or the extensive touring. And uh, us musicians do that, you know. Yeah. I personally don't feel any pressure. I know we have a really good lineup. When we go up there, we do our thing, and Kevin's been winning the crowd over just by default. You know, his energy and our chemistry together as a band mm -hmm. has been working. You know, so I don't think he's nervous to go up and win a crowd over, but it works. You know, he pretty much is a very confident dude, got a great voice. Like you just said, you can't really tell the difference Not between all. him. Yeah, like literally Kevin And I Kevin just saw sings. the sound check too, and if yeah. you close your eyes, you, you have yeah, no idea. Yeah, exactly. We've had people say that. They closed their eyes in the crowd and they thought they were listening to That Frank. is definitely yeah. something that we were trying to achieve because most people think, you know, I mean, how many other bands do you know that have had, you know, member and lineup changes, especially when it comes down to a front man? They figure that's the symbol of the band, you know, that's yeah. it. The image. But, uh, you know, suffocation is more than just that. So, with that being said, there are people that can do the job of Frank, and we just try to find the right person to fit the bill. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. And getting right? on the road seems like it's really important, too, because another it band is. who did this, I mean, pretty far off from suffocation, though, but would be Queensryche. Yeah. When they ousted Jeff Tate and brought in Todd Latore, I remember going to shows and people are online going like, wait, what do you mean Jeff Tate's not in the band? Yeah, I mean. And then they would hear the sound check and people go, holy, holy shit. You remember back in the day when Fate's Warning changed their singer, you know what I mean? It was yeah. Like, it was from a John Arch to Ray Alder. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I'm from Connecticut. I know all about Fate's yeah, Warning. there you go. <laughs> great awesome. band. Love that band to death still. But, um, you know, it, it's rough because, you, you know, you've seen people change from every single band. It's not like you really know one band that hasn't changed its lineup 
that has been around for the you know course of the time. Definitely not yeah. in death metal. Yeah, know? I mean it's a hard it's a hard business. It's a hard lifestyle. It's um, something that's not cut out for everybody. And when people get involved in what we're doing, you know, they realize it. it Sometimes it makes them take a second look and go, I don't know if I really want to be doing that like mm. every day, you know? It's yeah. a big commitment. And yeah. you got Morbid Angel on this tour with Steve Tucker. Perfect and, example. You know, he Great came in for Tucker Vincent. back. Yeah. 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 And actually, well, David Vincent replaced um, Mike Browning. That was it from Nocturne. Original. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. But um, so what's it like for you guys with a little bit of this new school and then this old school death metal package? You've got Withered and Revocation opening and then, of course, two of the originals. It's a great fit, man. Uh, you know, the guys in Morbid are great guys. We love their music and uh, we feel that same, you know, energy coming back from them. You know, we like them, they like us, you know, we're getting along great. And I think both bands are playing really well. And it's awesome to have the younger, younger bands or the newer bands on the front end of the, the show. And then uh, Suffocation and Morbid Angel closing the show out. It's just a great fit. Feels so, good. You think death metal's in good hands? I think uh, if it's left up to us and Morbid Angel, it should be. I think it's in great you know? hands. Great hands. You it got really that mix, be. you know, of the the old school and then the the younger players. And as long as they can all, you know, gel together, which we're feeling, mm -hmm. uh, it's got a great future. Today's rocker versus writer topic is going to be the heaviest live band ever. My answer is always suffocation, so we're gonna go outside of you guys today. Um, but if you just wanna think of the heaviest live band Crowbar. ever. Crowbar. Ooh. Yeah, Crowbar's a Crowbar, really such a Such a brutally heavy band, like you really can't, you know, doesn't get much heavier than that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all, I saw them recently with Carcass. Yeah, that's another heavy great. band, but yeah. I mean, I just think that they come in to kick your ass. They really do kick your ass. It's slow, deep, and heavy, and it's yeah. one of those type of bands that rule. If you have man, who else is even really heavy, man? I mean, like, so many bands today are really technical and magnificent, but when it comes to that super, super heavy, it's it's hard, you know? like Yeah, there's not a lot of the newer ones. No, you know, like, Crowbar would be a really good heavy right. band. I mean, any of the other bands, I mean, like... I never got to see Bolt Thrower live. Bolt Thrower yeah, would have been a pretty heavy one. They're a pretty heavy yeah. one. Um, have you seen them, Terrence? That's a tough. I've seen them they feel like we did a festival once, yeah, like them, a but. while ago, and it was just really, really heavy. Um, well, would be another good that's one. A tough, that's a tough one. Yeah, call. it's a very it's... tough one because when I'm thinking of heavy, I'm thinking slow, deep, and heavy. Like, I'm thinking of winter, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Into you darkness, know? but no, I hadn't like seen that shit live. like right? that, you yeah. know? Did you see their set Autopsy when, when you played Maryland Death Fest? Did you see the winter set? No, oh, I didn't. They were there. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Things, 2015, man. right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing that they were there, and I didn't get to see them. It was like 90 degrees in the middle of the afternoon, and ah. just low and slow. It was Slugging like it was the down. longest Give hour that ever. explanation of the heaviest uh, at that, was it that Maryland? Oh, yeah. amazing. I was telling Derek before. So you open with Thrones of Blood, and for anybody who hadn't been to MDF, it was set up in outside in like a parking lot under a highway overpass. It's only inside this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they I thought you guys open with Thrones of Blood. I thought the highway overpass was just gonna crumble, and the head <laughs> the headlines are just <laughs> gonna be cool. everyone dies at Maryland Death Fest. <laughs> so heavy. Well, I wouldn't want everybody to die, but if they could, uh, you know, some type of like 
you know, metaphorically speaking type of thing they actually did, that would be cool. I did. I was completely incapacitated. All right, Between man. Thrones and I think you played Legion of Inverosity on oh, that sure. one. It was just... Well, you should expect them, yeah. might, might expect them tonight, you Ooh, know? good. And then... um. You brought, I don't remember who was singing at the time, but you brought out somebody else with Frank. Somebody came yeah, that was Frank Andreas. Andreas. Yeah, yeah our, that was our, our buddy Andreas from Montoya Columbia. from Columbia. He does some, uh, he does some booking for us down there and gets yeah. us some shows. So he, he happened to be up here. on stage with Frank. Yeah, he, he looks like it. Frank and he has all the same motions as him. So it's really he's, weird he's, just standing there watching like so two many Franks. Shows. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's our buddy, man. You know, and it's love like, Andreas. Yeah, we really like this guy a lot. We've had a long rapport with him. Um, you know. And just whenever we get a chance, because he knows the songs, you know, we just toss him up there and let him go for it. That's a rough thing to just jump up yeah. there. I mean, hey, your, song, your structures are so Some, some people are just really, you know, just ready to go. And I guess he was warmed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think in know? South America, he, he did a whole song with us. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. like, go ahead, have at it. <laughs> yeah, know, we, we try to keep our, uh, our friends and fans happy. And, you know, we don't mind sharing the stage. Uh, obviously, we been doing that with uh, different members for the last 20-something years. Yeah, what's one more? Yeah, hey, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's something to give you a little something to pay attention to. But um, back to the heaviest thing a little bit. Um, one of the heaviest ones I saw is Evoken, Funeral Doom Band out of New Jersey. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I to him. My buddy booked him at some dive bar in Connecticut. They had a full stack yeah, just for the keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's sick. sick. So they had the full bass cab, and then they had the half one, which was pitched behind the drummer. That's and because they because it's funeral doom they just play so slow, slow so yeah. just the setup in there was a little difficult for him because like you'd see him kind of looking at each other trying to figure out when to come back in on something but yeah well i mean awesome. you know if you're sitting there for 16 bars and like just sludging out yeah kind of get lost four BPMs. In there. <laughs> yeah you know you get lost in there but um yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to just give it up to Crowbar. They're probably, like, one of my favorite heavy, heavy, heavy bands. Yeah, Kirk's awesome. a nice guy, too. Awesome yeah, guy. He's, he's a Kirk's a sweet guy. And um, last, let's just talk a little bit more about the new album. And sure. Terrence, I know, I was reading through some stuff. You said that, uh, let's see here, Something Should Be Left Alone was your favorite song in the album. Has that changed since one you delivered them. that well, statement? Well, I mean, I have a couple. I have a couple. I mean, like, I like The Violation, song number five. That's what I reckon. I also like, I also like, um, you know, something should be left alone. Obviously, it's just, uh, you know, as I said, you know, there's some unique things about some of the music that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I like the I, little Crisian thing and uh, sh yeah. should not be left alone. The little da -da 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 yeah, you know, we try different techniques. So there's a certain long segment in that song that has like, it's almost like a waltz. And uh, it's just done really heavy, you know, and um, it's just something. Yeah, it. the bass writing underneath and everything. It just makes it kind of unique, which is something that I, I really kind of like. Yeah. And now, Derek, you wrote a lot of lyrics on this album, everything about transcendentalism. What was uh, what was that song about, Something Should Be Left Alone? Is that going back to horror? That's like actually a good one because Frank has a pattern of jumping in and writing one song. and That was the one that he wrote? Yes. <laughs> Something Should Be Left Alone was a Frank track. It's, okay. it's about it it's about a demon ripping people to pieces pretty much that's what it's it about. was okay. really funny because <laughs> i had the whole theme of the record and frank just comes up with something so off topic that we're just like you know what just he had his feel so we like you know we want obviously want everybody to put their feel into the music and that was his contribution it's funny because i can't really speak <laughs> on behalf of that track I was gonna yeah, say, it kind of sounds like if you run into him a little bit later he'll probably turn around and tell you exactly what it is <laughs> You know, he'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's my horror movie song. Because I was yeah. going to say, it sounds a little bit more like a horror movie. Like, it is. Exactly. It's a little more Like, sometimes dead is better. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So. so, 
what's going on with the transcendentalism? What have you been that reading, was, studying, researching? You know, what have you been into? Kind of personal philosophy. I feel like um, when we were writing the last record, I was reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And the funny mm-hmm. thing is, is a I don't, freakish book. I don't talk just, to Luke LeMay about that. Yeah, He's got yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff about awesome Tibet. Too, man. For, for some funny reason, whenever I'm writing lyrics, I take inspiration from things like movies or books, but I don't sit like with the book and take notes out of the book. And I don't, you know, like sometimes I will read and, and take an interpretation of what I gathered. And then I will come back to that days, hours, weeks later and write something off of what I got out of the book. So it's like kind of mm-hmm. twice removed. I don't like, you know, like sit and take a word from a book and then write around it, you know. So it's interesting. You don't process. have that as like a jumping off point. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll, I'll write notes off of a movie I saw and then come back to it weeks later, not even remembering what movie. I'm burnt also. I don't remember. Like, I, I really don't know what we did yesterday <laughs> until yeah. someone brings it up and I go, well, that was yesterday? Tour buses, you know, like, yeah. time zones, late night. Booze. Yeah, for sure. So it's one of those things. I'll, I'll refer back to these notes and uh, – well, while reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I got a lot of this energy dissipation theme. And uh, we had been talking about this album cover for, shit, a couple of years about how we wanted... Have you seen the way it folds vertically? No. I mean, most CD booklets unravel horizontally. or Yeah, yeah. This one, we turned it and it unravels and he's literally... The full... Yeah, he... every, every Going panel, into the yeah. ether, you know? Sodom I mean? did that with their last one, Decision oh, Day. Oh, yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought... It, I hadn't known that anyone did it, so... We had been knowing about the concept of this energy leaving the body for a while and it kind of stuck as a theme and kind of just play it fast and loose you know as long as something there's definitely a lot left up to the interpretation of the of the listener for sure and, yeah you know that some things can be taken to heart in their interpretation as much and as some things should just be left alone yeah so is it kind of like the matter cannot be created nor destroyed so transfer so exactly. where the hell does it energy. go yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there was a weird science fiction twist to this i'm not sure if people are going to pick up on it i i think they might but uh this weird concept in in one of the tracks i feel it it may be the warmth within the dark that we kind of take this this idea that if you die of natural causes or accidental death you are reborn in a confined loop here on earth Mm. and uh we had this really dark uh like suicidal type theme that if you take your life you actually break the cycle and actually go somewhere other than reborn into this pattern so that's yeah it's kind of dark and we don't sit around and preach suicide by any means we love being alive you know it's just the darker part of death metal that's what it's about (laughs) i mean we are a death metal band so there's got to be something it's a little on the side it's a little a little psychologically burnt but uh you know we're taking a little bit of like breaking the cycle the only way to do it is is to relieve yourself by choice you know, and yeah. it's not, again, I'm not sitting promoting suicide. You know, right, we don't but, want uh, you to kill yourselves unless you actually do it because you want to. <laughs> like Louis C.K. said. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's a good note to end it on here. Right on. So, Suffocation of the Dark Light out June 9th? 9th. June 9th, you guys. Your Blast Records. So, pick Your Blast up. Records, support the underground, pick up a Suffocation record, and keep supporting Loudwire. Sick. Thanks Thank a lot, so guys. Much. Cheers. All right, so that was the podcast, everyone. And Graham's here now that you've heard the whole thing. What did you think? I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a great conversation you had with them. Cool, he, thanks, Graham. Uh, no, it was actually really cool to hear. Should have uh, been there. It was really cool to hear how much Terrence Hobbs was 
saying great things about Loudwire. <laughs> I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was super awesome. I, d- I totally didn't expect that. You gotta dig up some other interviews, see if he says that about everybody. Well, well, I'm we'll just. We'll see. I'm Either going way, to take Terrence, his thank praise you for the kind words. I know he said it a bunch of times. He said it outside of the bus when we were done with the podcast. Sweet. Yes. Yeah, I love Terrence Hobbs. One of my favorite guitarists too. He's the best. Is there anybody who's just? I know we can't really define sickest, but he's the sickest death metal guitar player, right? Yeah. I mean, I know, like, this isn't the same conversation as Trey and Morbid Angel. And you got Dave and Revocation there, too, who's just nasty. But as far as just being the absolute, total, flat-out sickest, it's got to be Terrence. Terrence is the the most shred tastic sickest like gnarliest slop grooves heaviest I don't know. nobody touches his footprints he leaves no. those heavy footprints and like when it comes to breakdowns you know breakdowns are so boring these days in my opinion you know, oh my it's God, so easy awful. just to do a boring breakdown suffocations breakdowns have always been phenomenal yeah so heavy Heavy, heavy. And, Suffocation uh, should sell adult diapers in the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Loudwire podcast. And don't forget to listen to the new Suffocation album of The Dark Light. Be sure to go to loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news. Head over to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, which Joe runs. Woo. You can follow me on Twitter at Gramwire. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ice Nerf Shatter. How many times are we going to go through this? What song is that, Graham? It's a Godflesh song. It's a Godflesh song. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode of the podcast and all the other great stuff we do on YouTube. And make sure you subscribe on iTunes, please, and leave us five stars and a nice comment. We would very much appreciate that. We'll see you all next time. Stay we heavy. We won't see anybody, Graham. We I know, but I don't know what to each say. Each other and whoever else is here. Okay, well, I'll see Joe next time and you can listen. Yeah, and I'll see Graham next and time. And then we'll choose which pit is, is the sickest. The sickest.